open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. Uh, this is episode one three, and you're in for a tremendous interview with senior uh, Bitcoin Armory wallet developer Andy Ofeich at over at Armory Technologies. Welcome, Andy. Hi, Trace. Glad to be back. Yeah, so we're just going to dive right in. Uh, talk about we're going to talk about multi-signature and fragmented backups and how we can implement those two extremely powerful tools to create uh, a good security plan for our Bitcoins or a good secession plan, uh, things like that. So let's start off. What exactly is uh, multi-signature and how is it used? Well, multi-signature is uh, very simply a feature of Bitcoin that allows you to protect your Bitcoins with more than one address. So before multi-signature, you would... Uh, send Bitcoins to a uh, public address, which uh, corresponded with a public and private key pair. So uh, the Bitcoins would be at a a particular uh, address, which represents a public key. And to, to spend those Bitcoins, the owner of that public key would have to prove that they know the private key. And then that process of proving is, is uh, what's well, actually called signing. Uh, when they sign a transaction to send uh, their Bitcoins, uh, it, the signed transaction proves that they, they can provide the private key. So with, with multi-sig, <clears throat> the owner or owners of those uh, Bitcoins would have to gather some number of the signatures that uh, control those Bitcoins. So you might send Bitcoins to a two of three, uh, two of three multi-sig address, and then two out of the three private keys behind that address must sign in order to move those Bitcoins again. So you might have a... Uh, you know, a three-member board of directors, or you might have a buyer, a seller, and an escrow agent, or you could have even a um, <clears throat> you know a parental uh, custodial account where uh, two out of the three, amongst two parents and a, uh, a a child, would have to sign off on moving those bitcoins. Yeah, so just so just to recap from uh, episodes uh, 100 and 101, we we have this public key and that's where bitcoins are at. And mm-hmm. then we have a private key and the private key is really just a number, like a really big number. Mm-hmm. And we have to have that particular number in order to move the bitcoins. Mm-hmm. But with multi-signature, we actually have multiple numbers that are required in order to move the bitcoins. Right. 
And right. you and the progr- the uh, Bitcoin program knows to check to have a certain uh, amount of those uh, signatures on the transaction. And that would be two of three in your example, but yeah, I, I mean it could it could go all the way up to to what? Well, with Bitcoin Armory, we support seven of seven. Wow! So we could really distribute out the the signing authority for bitcoins, right? So you could have like uh, you know the the obvious example would be a seven member board of directors. Yeah. Example. So like a, a hedge fund, for example, that wants to buy uh, twenty million dollars worth of bitcoins, mm-hmm. if they put that in a single signature address, in a way, they're trusting their chief technology officer or or whoever could get access to that one particular private key or that one number, uh, they're trusting they're trusting a single point of failure, right? But right. with how Armory implements this multi-signature, uh, is there a single point of failure? Well, no, not only that, but you, you, you can also take this to the next level and have a completely distributed uh, board, uh, which uh, maybe uh, none of the members know each other. You can you can have an organization exist solely on the blockchain, such that um, the people involved with running this company are, are aren't even uh, don't don't even know who they are. So, like an example of how that would work is uh, we there would be an offline uh, spending transaction created, uh, but then the collection of the signatures could all happen in a very blind way. Well, yes. What happens with Armory is you can create whatever transaction you want. Imagine this uh, imaginary uh, seven-person board of a company that exists in the ether and nobody knows each other. You could have uh, any member or anyone, really, uh, create a transaction. You could have other people that uh, don't have signing authority, but have the ability to create transactions too. So you, you might even have a, uh, a an administrator create transactions for the board members to sign. And then um, that transaction gets sent via email, say, or uh, – text or whatever or a fax even yeah because we're just talking about a like a a, a regular offline transaction that's just yeah. unsigned so it's just a string of text so it, perhaps, it is really. perhaps even use bit message because that has no metadata associated right. with it like email does right but you could literally fax it and type it in i mean it would be a pain in the neck right that that's what we're talking about we're talking about character data we're not talking about some uh you know binary file where everything in it is hidden. And if you really wanted to decode that fax, you could you could bring up the source code because it's open source and and you you could actually decode it yourself by hand. Now this is important because we're dealing with anonymous uh board members and and everybody has to trust everyone and what uh well normally you would but it, with bitcoin that, that's not necessary. Because, so, because you can get into the source code and understand exactly what it is you're signing and looking at. And, and at the end of the day, it's you just have to be able to prove to the Bitcoin network that you've got that private key or that signing authority. Right. And right. you don't necessarily have to prove it to the other people in your circle. Right. So I've gotten off on a tangent. The important thing is you take this uh, string of text 
and you can sign it. And when you sign it, you get a different string of text and you can send that around. Now, eventually, one person will get the, uh, the transaction with enough signatures. And if they approve, they'll sign it and they'll have enough signatures and then they can broadcast it themselves. Any member of the board receiving this transaction with, say, four signatures, if it was a four or seven, uh, once they see the four signatures, they're like, all right, I got three board members who agree with me. This transaction should go out and then they can just send it. Now, this, this is very important from a segregation of duties standpoint. Uh, like in traditional auditing or accounting and, and process design, uh, the person who has signing authority on the bank account or the cash account, for example, should also not be the one that's approving transactions or uh, keeping track of the ledger, uh, the general ledger for the company or things like that because it opens up a potential for embezzlement or or other types of ways for the the money in the company to disappear. Uh, so this is this is a very important tool for people to be able to hold lots of Bitcoin, people or in institutions, right? Right. Anyway. So basically, you've replaced the handshake, uh, the well-established connections. Uh, you know, judging somebody's character. You've replaced all of that with the Bitcoin protocol, which which you cannot. Uh, you can't get around it. Well, I guess you you could get around it if you could get two out of the three signatures or five out of the seven, right? But right. that would require collusion, and it would require the signers to actually know the other people and right. be able to communicate with them and, and then talk them into engaging in the collusion. Well, well here's the thing about the uh, – or trickery, you know. Uh, but at a certain point, if you've got a majority of uh, a group, Colluding, well, then they are the they, the, they are the, the board of directors, they, right? <laughs> they, you, you, if you're not happy about being a part of this operation, then then geez, that's <laughs> you're you're the odd one out. You should probably uh, get out of that. Right. I mean, here's the thing, though it, it, it it's a lot harder to get a group like that together than to just do it yourself. So it really is quite a barrier. And also, when it comes to trickery. Because, you know, some of the biggest Bitcoin heists have involved one person being tricked into sending their Bitcoin so, to uh, uh, an attacker's address. So with uh, multisig, the, the, the trickery and the access to the people who have the keys, um, it's, really, it's really like a, uh, you know, a double authentication um, setup well, where you'd have and- to get at least – at least two, you know, two and, two people to sign off on on a on a con. And let and let's talk a little bit more about the actual details of that. So when we create a transaction, we have the bit the 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 ad the the address where the bitcoins are currently at, and then we have the address where the bitcoins are going to go. Right. And so when when Armory creates that unsigned transaction, is it possible? Uh, when that's being circulated around to get signatures to just go and change the address uh, where the Bitcoins are going to go. Well, see, if you did that, that would invalidate the previous signatures. Ah, so we we aren't – like that potential attack vector uh, isn't even possible. Right. No, you couldn't change it. When you sign something, you're signing uh, the, the important aspects of the transaction. Now, here's something else to know. I mean, one of the ways in which people get tricked 
is uh, there's different ways you can sign. Uh, there's different kinds of signatures. Uh, if you if you can sign something, you can sign just the fact that you're sending your bitcoins out, and you don't actually have to sign the output. There's a spe- specific kind of uh, signature where you don't. Um, now Armory doesn't allow that, but um, when uh, a particular so that- other wallet was attacked, people were inserting. Uh, these uh, SIG hash types is what they're called, signature hash types. And um, people were getting tricked into signing open-ended, basically the equivalent of, of a blank check. Right. You, you didn't make out a pay to the order of uh, right. in, in, the, in the signature hash. Right. So that's possible in the protocol. Uh, it's non-standard, and uh, people can get tricked into doing that. Um, actually, I don't know if it's for sure if it's not standard. But um, but that's that's something that someone who's not even aware that there's a SIG hash type and that they're just yeah. trusting whichever wallet they're using uh, might might inadvertently get tricked into. Right. Exactly. Man, like there there really are a lot of potential pitfalls for people right. uh, in the security space. That you know it's it's important I think for people just to be aware of like what is possible uh, with the protocol. Yeah, so the thing about Bitcoin that you have to be aware of is that uh, Bitcoin is a protocol that allows for a great deal of security. The actual security isn't built into Bitcoin. I mean, there's some pretty basic things that Bitcoin does in order to work, you know, with like signing and all that. But um, it's not complete. And that's one of the ways in which people have been losing their Bitcoins is they overestimate the amount of security that comes with the protocol. What you need is software on top of that that adds the extra layers of security that are needed uh, for business applications. Well, and and this goes all the way back to the very genesis of Armory, right? Like uh, Alan saw, well, you know, it, it it was theoretically possible to do the whole concept of cold storage, uh, and Satoshi even recommended. Yeah, uh, doing it, but the software hadn't been built, and so Alan, Alan was like, "Oh, I could build that," and so right. he built it. Right, right. It's not like Alan had the vision. It's these people on the uh, Bitcoin forums who had the vision initially, and they would go on and they would discuss. Oh, here's some things I would need to use this in my business, or to use this to implement this business plan that I have in my head, and. They would discuss these things on the forums, and Alan came along and said, "Oh, I know how to do that. Oh, yeah, I can do that." And he just started doing it because and, and it was fun for him. And this, <laughs> and, and yeah, it's fun. But this is this is actually like a very complicated problem to solve, right? Because you've got the math and the cryptography and the statistics that you have to be able to do, but then you have to be able to translate that into software code, right? And right. and that's not necessarily the easiest the easiest problems to solve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which which you know, unfortunately, uh, we've we've seen lots of problems in the Bitcoin space. And then mm-hmm. then there's things like Mount Gox. I mean, everybody's like, how do we not have a five hundred million dollar loss in this space? Yeah. Well, we we could use multi signature like we have in Armory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we could use right. that, and then we wouldn't have five hundred million dollar losses unless there was massive collusion. 
Right. But, you know, if you're a megalomaniac with a company that is successful beyond anyone's imagination and you don't want to hand over the reins to anyone, well, it's not likely you're going to use multi-sig anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, that, and that raises a very good point, right? Because with Bitcoin, uh, you either have the private key or you don't. And so you can distribute those private keys. And, you, and then you can know that those private keys have been distributed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think because I think it, I think a lot of, especially in financial services, uh, a lot of the the banks or the investment accounts or whatever, they really, really like holding people's private keys to their right. to their assets. They like holding the the share certificates with the DTCC. They like being able to hypothecate or rehypothecate those share certificates. I mean. We saw things like uh, Madoff and uh, John Corzon with MF Global, where they're actually, you know, they were entrusted to hold the private keys to these customer segregated assets, and then they went and uh, did unconscionable things with with that trust. But with Bitcoin, we're able to know exactly who's in charge of holding those private keys. Well, here's the thing: you say they went and did unconscionable things. When actually what they did is uh, uh, normal things that humans do to each other in the course of history. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess unconscionable because like people are supposed to go to prison for like stealing lots of people's retirement accounts and exactly. lots of people's assets. Right? And, 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 you, and your, 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 uh, your assets are, are basically being protected with the threat of prison time. It, you really have to trust that the person controlling your assets is afraid of the threat of prison time. <laughs> well, yeah, so so you could say that there's a proof of violence uh, that is protecting assets when we have these centralized uh, ways of distributing the property rights. But with Bitcoin, where we have this decentralized, distributed way of protecting assets, we're able to protect the assets based on proof of trust or mm-hmm. the the proof of math so we're relying not on on this government threat uh to people who steal other people's money but instead we're relying on the math and the cryptography right, right. and with all the stuff that's been in the news lately about uh regulatory capture you know we're, we're finding out that we can no longer trust the government to keep an eye on these large financial institutions. Yeah, well, that's definitely an issue. Um, so you need math. Yeah, well, that's what Bitcoin has. Well, why, why, why? Well, with, just from a logical point of view, like why trust? Uh, why trust this centralized institution that that could be potentially influenced when instead you could just trust math? Yeah, like. You know, it, it it's not like it's not like the math is going to change. It, yeah. it, I mean, that that's very incorruptible. So if you want to have your your accounting books and you want to have your cash balances and you want to have your assets all distributed up, uh, in you can do it and you can prove to yourself that it's been done, and then you don't have to worry about uh, anything happening from you. you, you 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 are in effect able to eliminate that political risk uncertainty, right? You know you don't you don't have to worry about like Argentina changing something because uh, they can't change the math rules. 
in in the protocol. Right. Um, and then that's that's why Bitcoin. That's why people are excited about it. They think that this is going to uh, change the way we do business in the future. Yeah. Well, and we also have the 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 triple entry bookkeeping. So we we have the debit, the credit, and we have the confirmation in the Bitcoin network. So we know the transactions happened. Uh, so we're able to have much greater transparency on our financial statements, in addition to this much greater security. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So we, we talked about multi-signature, uh, the fragmented backups. Uh, that's where we're able to split up the, the, the wallet seed uh, so that we need, say, two of three pieces in order to constitute that particular wallet, and then we might need two of three private keys to uh, send the, the Bitcoin transaction. So with fragmented backups, we're, we're able to further distribute the signing authority, or at least the backup authority of the wallets. Well, you know, with, with the combination, each uh, signing authority in the multi-sig will have no single point of failure. So you basically have um, a double layer of no single point of failure, and that and that can that means what? Much more security, much more. Uh, like, why is that valuable to people who are using? Well, here's the, here's here's what it is. I I think what multi sig gives you is protection against um, uh, a dishonest party within your board. Or within the signing authority, whoever is is uh, able to sign. Yeah, because it might right? be a trust company, it might be an insurance company, I might mean, be a family, might be a family member. Yeah, might be the dad has an, a gambling problem. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Dipping into the kid's savings, you know, um, which would be even more devastating than say a dirty board member. Um, the thing is, though, right? You're protected against that level of dishonesty. You're also protected against any one member of the signing group being conned. And then once you add in the fragmented backup, you're also protected against uh, a member being incompetent and losing their private key. In fact, two members, right? If it's two or three, two out of the three members would have to lose two out of three of their fragmented backups. I mean, the odds against are tremendous. Yeah, so so in effect, we're, like, with this piece of software, uh, as it currently is, mm-hmm. we've got protections against uh, negligence, mm-hmm. gross negligence, maliciousness, or uh, intentional, willful, malicious behavior, where we're being embezzlement or something. Yeah. It just it really helps uh, make Bitcoin a lot more usable for yep. larger amounts of capital. Yeah, and the thing is, you're protecting yourself against all of the usual ways in which uh, corporate entities lose their funds. The thing is, when you bring in Bitcoin, just bringing in Bitcoin adds this additional way. You can lose the key. It's a piece of data, and you're trying to protect it, and in protecting it, you can lose it. So I don't know if everyone is aware that just by using Bitcoin, you're adding this extra risk. And then by using fragmented backup, you're mitigating the extra risk that comes into play when you use Bitcoin. And then by using the multi-signature, because if we're we're using only single keys, 
like with Mount Gox, for example, there's no way yeah. to prove whether he inadvertently lost the Bitcoins, whether he was hacked and somebody else stole the Bitcoins, or whether he embezzled and stole the Bitcoins himself. Right. Like, there's no way to prove one way or the other, right? Well, yeah. And also with Bitcoin, there's often no way to prove that either. Um, you know, one of the things um, you can do is see when Bitcoins move, but you can't always tell where they're moving to. Right. It's possible you can. I mean, it's there. It's in the public record. But it would take uh, uh, some detective work and inferences, and you would have to have other knowledge about the addresses involved. So it's a very complex problem to solve, but it's not unsolvable. Well, yeah, but but like let's say that Mark Carpellis, uh, instead of getting hacked, like he said, he mm-hmm. just he just embezzled the bitcoins and he right. moved he moves them to an address, and then he just doesn't touch them until after the bankruptcy proceedings are done and the statute of limitations is told. Right. Here's the thing, though. One screw up, you know. One it, it, at some point, something he might trip up, and then he's going to get caught because it's all going to be on the public record. Right, and 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 we just so it's very it's very difficult. We we don't know whether people st- have embezzled the bitcoins or whether people uh, actually did get hacked. You know, mm-hmm. and there's no way to prove either way, or whether they're just negligent and they send the bitcoins into an address that they're not able to get them out of. Right. Because uh, maybe you screw up and leave one of the letters off on the public key or something when you go to send it, and your wallet software didn't check for that. Well, I don't know if that's a possibility. But, well, um, yeah, that's true. Maybe you copied it, it and wouldn't pasted. wouldn't go through. That's one of the things about the Bitcoin protocol. If you make a, mista- if you make a single mistake in like creating that. a transaction, a transaction won't work. It's impossible to really send a transaction accidentally to the wrong place. The only time you send it to the wrong address is when somebody's tricking you into sending it to their address. Right, like you you copy and paste it, but when you go to paste it, maybe the computer virus uh, on your computer uh, changed the, the, the paste address. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 999,099 whatever times out of a, a gajillion you're going to run into an error and not actually send it someplace. So, so just to recap, because I don't I actually don't think we talked about this in the other two episodes. A lot of people that come to use Bitcoin, uh, there, you know, you see these really long public key addresses. So, what you're saying is, if you inadvertently mistype one of the characters or or something like that, the the Bitcoin network's not going to see that as a valid transaction. Right. So the odds against making a mistake and ending up with a different valid transaction than the one you wanted are astronomical. Okay. Well, that's uh, that should help people uh, sleep a little bit better at night knowing yeah. that they don't have to uh, – well, they should still be triple-checking their, well, that's the <laughs> their addresses. It's, it's but. important to forget that fact. <laughs> when but, it comes to checking things, you want to you wanna double-check as if that wasn't true. Yeah, but maybe maybe it's that you're sending five dollars for the coffee or something, and uh, it's it's nice to know that if you didn't uh, if your QR code reader and maybe you accidentally deleted one of the letters on it or something like you're not going to lose your five bucks. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, if you got a fiver and you're going to pay the guy at the counter, you're not going to really look at the badge or the the name tag. It's like you don't work at Seven <laughs> Eleven. I'm not giving you this five dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> the that people are begging for that that are actually going to get built. Well, the big the big one the big one is our implementation of what's known as BIP32, which is a fancier version of uh, the. Um, deterministic uh keys so so this bip 32 this is a what's called hierarchical deterministic wallets and this is another brainchild of alan's right well alan and i think sepa peter yeah yeah he was involved with the creation of bip 32 but um the basic gist of it is is rather than just having one chain of addresses you have a uh a tree many chains coming off. Okay. And then um, as you uh, generate addresses, each address will have, uh, rather than just one number, a a single number index, it'll have several numbers indexing it. And and this is why, and and this is currently implemented, well, not BIP32, but this, this, these, these chains are currently implemented in Armory, uh, so that we only need the one paper backup, right? But right. this is going to be uh, implementing it with the with the actual Bitcoin improvement protocol, uh, right? Thirty two, right? Yeah, the, the, the yeah, because they're all numbered, and this is the thirty second one. So what the end user will experience is they can have many wallets, and uh, they could have their whole operation. If you know, if you have like a, uh, a an exchange, for instance, running off of Armory. Uh, you could have all of that backed up with one key. So you could have several wallets with one root key oh, that backing would, it up. Wow, that'd be nice. So, and this, along with other changes, is is what's making um, Armory scalable. So that our users, our new users, can come in and they can provide services to... Uh, people through a website or if they run your own exchange off of this or your own business. And the whole idea is that we've, we've scaled up Armory. We've made it much more scalable. Right. So the, the core infrastructure for the Bitcoin community, uh, Armory is, is really going to be able to handle a lot larger businesses, services, stuff like that. Right. Like, like an exchange or, or a merchant, they can use Armory uh, and do it on them and and do commerce on a much larger scale. Yeah. So, but we're also going to need some performance improvements, right? So, like, well, that's coming a little with, bit about those. Yeah, we've added a a, a new database, uh, LMDB, and we've refactored a lot of the back end uh, with uh, a lot of optimizations. Uh, a couple of our guys, super talented, uh, Farhad and Charles. Have have been uh, working away at this for the last few months, and um, it's very exciting. I mean, a lot of the the times for loading the blockchain are down. Uh, the number of transactions that can be handled, uh, automated automated transaction processing, all of this is going to be uh, possible with the the next version of Armory. Now, now, when you say like Charles and Farad, how many full time developers? Are there on the Armory Bitcoin wallet? 
We have five of us now. Five, five full time. Wow. Yeah. And so we got we got Alan, and he's got what a master's in statistics and some computer programming. And then we, yep. like we got a we got a couple other people with masters in cryptography also yeah. uh, working on it. Yeah, very. And very we have Farhad, who who is uh, uh, predominantly self trained, and but he came to this. Uh, with his connection with Alan on, on the boards. So when people were paying Alan bounties to get certain projects done, if Alan needed something in an area of, say, uh, you know, low-level uh, Windows-type thing had to be done, um, Farhad was I, I know how to do that. And then uh, he, he'd come in and help him out. So that's how we end up with Farhad. Yeah, well, he and he, I remember, like, he was finding all these bugs just, like, super efficiently. and. Yeah. Uh, he's been a great addition to the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In fact, he he he's he's really he's really sharp. I remember we were at uh, one of the conferences and yep. someone came up and they're like talking about our wallet and they said they they asked the question they were like, well, you know, why should I use the Armory wallet? And Farad uh, he responded because whoever steals your Bitcoin will. <laughs> <laughs> So together, your bitcoins are going to be protected by arm. So I, I thought that was like a very, like that was a very insightful clip, just just off the cuff. Like yeah. you have to respect the private keys. Yeah. You know, you have like you don't respect the keys. Somebody else is going to get those keys, and they're going to respect them. Right? Because here's <laughs> what's happened with Bitcoin: is we now have a situation where data has absolute value to it. Yeah, I mean, you you steal that math number, you steal that number, you can do the math, you can you can get the purchasing power. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else is very important for this performance uh, improvement? We got the the super node coming right to help scale the databases mm-hmm. and, and that the, merchants that'll allow people to put thin clients on on a on a uh, super node where you basically set up a server. That is uh, running the super node, and then you can have thin clients working off of that server. So this will be this will be a super node that Armory Technologies is running, or a super node that well, anybody anyone, who gets the Armory saw. Oh, we'll any? probably have our own. You know, we'll probably have our own service set up, and uh, you know that'll come with our support options. I think that's where we're ended up eventually. But um, with what we're releasing. The software behind that uh, type of service will be available for for people to use for anyone to use. Yeah. Now, th- now this is really important because, like, when you're using Electrum or Blockchain.info's super node, you're you're potentially leaking a lot of information to them, right? Well, yeah, that's just it. Is you could be the person that's having information leaked to you with our software. <laughs> <laughs> which which could be used in what type of a way? I mean, you would know who marketing. Would, who knows? Well, yeah, you, know. you you could use it for marketing. You could see IP addresses of people who are checking particular wallet balances. Mm-hmm. Know which computers to attempt to target or infiltrate. I mean, it like using somebody else's super node uh, for your thin client in order to have the added convenience also comes with potential risks, right? Yeah, and and, and so get your own. That's that's you know, do your own thing, and that's what that's what our software allows. But there's not really any other software out there that allows you to do that besides the Bitcoin QT, right? Right. But that's not even really a super node, right? So basically, I see Armory as an intermediate between having a 
a service where you have to trust other people or having Bitcoin uh, core code where you have to do all the work. We've done a lot of the really difficult work so that you can be your own banker. Oh, man. It, and that's that's just great because you can hold your own private keys. You can secure them to the level that you want them secured. And mm-hmm. you don't have to trust anybody. Yeah. And, and it's open source software. So you can you can review all the code and all the math. And and your money and your assets are safe there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it has to be done the right way, too. Because right. there are a lot of pitfalls, as we've seen, not just with other services out there, but with other software, etc. So it's really important to do uh, like the Supernode, the BIP32, like implementing thin clients, all this has to be done properly. Otherwise, you're opening or exposing yourself to a lot of security vulnerabilities. Right. Right. Okay, well, there we go. That, that should... Uh, you know, round up this episode. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to discuss this multi-signature, uh, how it can be implemented in a personal plan for security, backups, all that, and also some some of the uh, development that's on the horizon for Armory. Uh, so thanks, thanks for being with us, Andy. Thanks very much, Trace. It was great talking to you. To get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. 